0: You're listening to the Painkiller Podcast. In a future where the consumption of meat has been criminalised, undercover burger joints crop up all over the country. Unsatisfied by cubes, the government-approved meat replacement, Jeanette leaves her quiet suburban home one rainy night to experience the taste of real meat once more.
1: I'm not their regular clientele. They don't need to tell me that. I'm on the third floor of an empty office building above a nail salon. The woman wears a grey polo shirt, grey skirt, and her hair is mesmerically greasy. She slips the cash into a drawer and leads me through a red door and upstairs. Here, she gestures joylessly. The dining room. I was here before, months ago. I lost my nerve then. I heard a siren in the street below. Panicked, I ran down three flights of stairs, drove home, slammed the door, hid under the duvet, and finally, in the stillness, began to cry. After, my husband cautiously asked me if I was having an affair. I told myself I'd never come back, but after smelling the kitchen, feeling its heat, I know I was only lying to myself. Perhaps you'd even be proud. It's a beige carpet, a maze of cubicle walls, a buzz of an invisible engine. What is that? When I was young, my father owned a chain of roadside carveries Energies linger, I remember one barmaid warning. I'm sure I can hear keyboards clicking, photocopiers crunching, printers popping, whirring. Perhaps it is only the sound of dozens of people eating in silence. The muffled mechanics of jaw and tooth on another's flesh. What I would give for some twinkly piano, some Michael Bubley. My husband is at home now, listening to Radio 4, chopping onions, alone. I'm at a tennis club meeting. Lucy, back at university. It's white cubes for midweek, brown cubes for weekends, red cubes for special occasions like Valentine's Day. Microwavable in special heart-shaped moulds. I suppose there must be something wrong with me. Cubes were formulated to precisely imitate the taste and texture of real meat. About the size of a dice, they are soft in the middle like a marshmallow and malleable into any shape you so desire. Miraculous, really. I know that the permanent switch to cubes has seen the world improve in myriad ways. I know that their inventor won a Nobel Prize. I know that cubes taste good really good. Still, I can't help but think of you when I see them. Pearl-like, glowing in the blue backlight of my fridge. I suppose the writing was on the wall. My parents were rare, scandalous, still purchasing real meat when I was young. "'Respect for the old way,' my mother, a farmer's daughter, evangelised. "'We were snubbed because of it. "'The business suffered. Angry letters. Worse. "'But my father, stubborn as an ox, continued to sell. "'We're a traditional British pub. "'We will serve a traditional British roast,' he would say. "'It was an ideological stance more than anything. "'It was only me who actually liked the taste.' We met when I was seven, in the beer garden. You had just finished loading a case of steaks into the pub kitchen. You wore a long leather jacket, blood-stained plimsels, and were so tall and strange-smelling that at first you frightened me. My father always trusted you, so I did too. You smoked, resting a stringy arm against the van, waving at me. The grey girl asks what cubicle I would like. I pick one by the window. No toilet breaks, she reminds me, placing my phone in a sandwich bag to collect when I leave. My cubicle is spartan. It reminds me of temp jobs, my twenties. A blank, black and white photograph of Marilyn Monroe stares back at me from a brown corkboard smiling in a bikini she is subtitled with the words fear is stupid so are regrets i remember the boys break room cutouts of girls with long legs and hard teeth you took me in there once when my father was talking to the men upstairs you found a packet of chocolate biscuits and brought me into the ice room I see you layer a red wall of steaks into a meat freezer. You're so small, I could fit you in here, you say, laughing. I tell you to try. Nah, we'd get in trouble. You defrost a freezer and I make a snowman with a spare ice. Then we eat biscuits and play snap on top of the frosted lid. As I brush a pile of cards aside, I see something I can't quite make out. Hazy, like a far-off streetlight in a fog. I wipe away the condensation, put my face close to the lid. An eye stares back at me, bulbous and translucent and scared. Don't worry, you love. Can't hurt you from there. I suddenly realise how alone we are, how the cold has reached my knuckles. You know who Slippy Maggie is? You ask me closer. I shake my head. She's always coming round, dear. Where is my father? I hear myself ask. You'll know her if you've seen her. She's every cow you ever eaten. Maggie. Maggie. She's angry. She's angry because we took away her babies. We took her eyes, her ears, her udders, her skin. All she is, is bones and guts. And so she's all slippy. So slippy, she can squeeze herself under your door, down your chimney, you ear up on your roof, drumming her ooves, They'll tell you it's ale Stones, but it ain't. You might see her reflection in a dark window at night and you'll always smell her if she's been. That's for sure. It is quiet. Nothing but the sound of the freezers buzzing. Time clotting. Don't cry, you say. That's just how it goes. You'll learn. You mustn't be scared, you say very softly. I'll protect you. I'll protect you as long as I live. And you put your jacket around me, attempting to warm me with a smile, but I'm still very, very cold. And I feel the dead cow grazing into my back like grass. I look onto the street outside my cubicle. The rain is really coming down. My seat is facing a main road and I feel suddenly vulnerable. A train rumbles past underneath us. From the carriage perhaps we look like city workaholics, burning the midnight oil. The burger arrives, slapped on the table unceremoniously, grey and gritty and pissing grease all over the plate. It tastes dirty, like pure hot soil in my mouth, and the blood beats inside my head as I swallow. My mouth is full of my own salty saliva. I am an animal. I can't stop. I bite and I bite and years roll back. I bite and I am 38 years old. You are with me. You are with me I am pregnant You are ancient, paper thin It took months but I finally found you Last of your kind Your eyes are glassy and permanent bubbles emerge from your mouth I take you through the crowds Walls of red and angry signs Gaping mouths We sit in a booth They are doing final day offers Everything must go, a waiter reminds us We eat burgers. And I ask you if you know why you're here. If you remember me. I am older now, of course, but you must recognise my voice. You must. You must. You chew noisily. I hate you. I want to scream at you in front of everyone. I want to scoop your eyes out with a spork. No. It is not your fault. Even if you wanted, the words disappeared years ago. We eat in silence, cheap, good meat. Then the table is cleared and there is no reason left to stay. The crowd has thinned out and the walk back is peaceful. You turn into your little grey house and I hear myself say, Will you protect me? You stop. From her, I see something lift in your face. Yes, you say, as long as I live. The door closes, you are gone. The rain has eased off now. I see that there are small drops of moisture on my empty plate. In embarrassment, perhaps I quickly lick it clean. I retrieve my phone, thank the girl, and get in the car. I listen to Lionel Richie until I can't. I devour 18 Tic Tacs, coat myself in hand sanitizer and service station perfume. The rain has stopped and the roads feel very still. I'll be back for question time at this rate. Perhaps I should have an affair. About two miles out of the city, on a lone country road. I hear it. A panic, wondering if it is my engine rattling. I envisage calling AA miles from my supposed tennis meeting. I cannot lie, well. I turn my engine off, on again drive five paces and the drumming returns. The radio, perhaps? I stop the car. It is a moonless night and cold. I collect myself and listen again. No. It is coming from above. Closer now. Trees? Branches? Scraping the roof? No. Something else. Something heavier. Something like... Who?
0: You've been listening to Slippy Maggie, written by Miranda Langley and starring Leslie Sharp. Slippy Maggie was directed by Alice Fitzgerald with sound design by Nicola T. Chang. It was produced by Hugh Rice Air. Through the Painkiller Project, Bitter Pill has been collaborating with emerging playwrights since April 2020. Visit our website bitterpilltheatre.com or follow us on Twitter for updates on upcoming submission windows. If you'd like to support the work we do, please consider pledging to our Patreon to make a donation that would be repeated each time a new play is released. Alternatively, you can make a one-off donation through PayPal. Any donation made would mean the world to us. For more information, follow the links in the description. You can also support the project by sharing it with your friends and giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening.